1: The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon.
0: All right, welcome back. 11 o'clock hour. Governor Reynolds is taking the podium. Here's Governor Reynolds' daily press conference.
2: Counties as of yesterday, so the total number of counties remains at 79. We had 882 negative cases for a total of 13,703 negative cases. We have the capacity to test at the State Hygienic Lab of 2,530 tests. We have uh, 115 hospitalized as of yesterday. 476 recovered for a recovery rate of 38%. And I am sorry to report that we have had an additional two deaths, one elderly and one older adult, both from Linn County, for a total of 29 deaths. Yesterday I was joined by the Iowa Economic Development Authority Director Durham to update Iowans on our progress with the Small Business Relief Program. Today the United States Department of Labor announced that 6.6 million Americans filed for unemployment last week. Here in Iowa we continue to experience tens of thousands of claims filed weekly. I've asked our Iowa Workforce Development Director Beth Townsend to join me today to provide an update.
3: The number of initial claims uh, reported by the U- U.S. Department of Labor filed in Iowa between Monday, or I'm sorry, Sunday, March 29th, and Saturday, April 4th, was 67,187. And the number of continuing claims, meaning uh, second and beyond weekly claims, was 92,952. This includes 3,100. 47 claims filed by individuals who work in Iowa but who live outside of our state. We paid a total of $27,565,232 of unemployment insurance benefits during last week. Most of the claims are being paid in 7 to 10 days from the time of their initial filing. As most of you know, the Coronas... The Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act took effect on March 29, 2020, so I wanted to give you an update on where we are in terms of implementing that act. The act provided that the pandemic unemployment assistance provides unemployment benefits for the self-employed, including independent contractors, freelancers, gig economy workers, nonprofit employees, and the self-employed. You can watch a video at our website that will show you screen by screen how to apply for these particular benefits. You can also upload the necessary documents to prove and establish your income for 2019 or 2020 in order for us to determine what eligibility you have for uh, unemployment benefits. The CARES Act also provides the federal pandemic unemployment compensation, which will provide an additional $600 per week for everyone who qualifies for a new or existing unemployment benefits including those who are receiving regular unemployment benefits and those who are self-employed. The start date for this program is March 29, 2020, and the end date for these benefits is July 31, 2020. We anticipate these payments will begin to go out next week, and once they do start to go out, we will post an update on our website notifying people. I want to remind you that you cannot voluntarily quit your job in an effort to obtain the weekly benefit or unemployment benefits. Voluntary quits are a disqualifier for unemployment benefits. You must be either laid off in a temporary layoff or have reduced hours to qualify for unemployment insurance benefits. We have been waiving the charges to employers' accounts for all employers who filed unemployment due to COVID-19 related claims. Today we are announcing that we have put in place a trigger so that once the UI, or the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund, reaches this balance, we will need to begin charging employers with these unemployment claims. That trigger is $950 million. We are currently at $1.13 billion dollars in our trust fund, so about $180 million away from the trigger. None of the benefits from the CARES Act will be taken from the trust fund. So this applies only to uh, unemployment claims that are made by employees with employers in the state of Iowa federal legislation has also provided that experiential ratings on businesses will not be impacted by these claims however the overall balance strongly affects the federal tax table iowa employers will be in in 2021 we are currently in tax table seven and we believe setting this trigger will help to ensure we do not fall into tax table six the tax table's affect the baseline tax rates for employers and is therefore key to helping minimize the impact of this event moving forward and spurring our recovery. Iowa Workforce Development continues to receive tens of thousands of calls a day. We're working very hard to answer all of those calls. When you call, please wait for the ringing to stop, you will hear momentary silence, and then someone will answer. Answer the phone. We are also working hard to clean out the email box before the end of the day and turning around email responses to UIClaimsHelp at IWD.iowa.gov within 24 hours. As the Governor says all the time, she knows Iowans were going to get through this together. I would ask that all Iowans provide the hardworking, dedicated, and committed staff at IWD the same patience and grace they would their friends and neighbors. We may not get to you as quickly as we normally would, but we will get to you, and more important, we will get your claims paid. Thank
2: you, Beth, for that update. And thank you to your, you and your team at Iowa Workforce Development for all that they are doing day in and day out to assist Iowans during this uh, incredibly difficult team, time. Uh, we also, this week, we have spent time reviewing information about the RMCCs, the Regional Medical Coordination Centers that have been established by the Iowa National Guard, again, to support the Iowa Department of Public Health and our health care coalitions by facilitating communication, critical information sharing and coordinating healthcare resources within a region or across the state. On Tuesday and Wednesday, I shared information about the RMCCs in eastern and central Iowa, where our state's hot spots are located. Today, I want to highlight the RMCC regions in western Iowa. Region number three covers northwest Iowa. Currently, this region has nine counties with no positive COVID-19 cases and a significant number of counties with three or less positive cases. As of yesterday, in region three, we had one COVID-19 patient that was hospitalized. No new patients were admitted in the last 24 hours. We have one that was in ICU and one on a ventilator. There are 399 inpatient beds, 32 two ICU beds and 51 ventilators available and ready for patient care. And now we'll move to RMCC Region 4, which covers Southwest Iowa. Yesterday in Region 4, there were four COVID-19 patients hospitalized, no new patients were admitted in the last 24 hours, three were in ICUs, and one was on a ventilator. And there are 262 inpatient beds, 39 ICU beds, and 58 ventilators still available for patient care yesterday we also had calls and emails from people who were interested in seeing the data again for Eastern Iowa so I want to provide a quick update on regions five and six in region five where um, Johnson County is located there were 32 COVID-19 patients hospitalized as of yesterday seven new patients were admitted in the last 24 hours 14 were in ICUs and 11 were on ventilators There were 702 inpatient beds, 93 ICU beds, and 167 ventilators available for patient care in that region. Region 6, which includes Lynn County, where an outbreak in a long-term care facility has resulted in many elderly adults becoming seriously ill, Yesterday, in Region 6, there were 48 COVID-19 patients hospitalized, four new patients were admitted in the last 24 hours, 32 patients are in ICUs, and 17 were on ventilators. At the same time, there are 1,002 inpatient beds, 57 ICU beds, and 119 ventilators available for patient care in Region 6. As we are seeing across all RMCC regions, Iowa's capacity to care for COVID-19 patients and available resources uh, are very good at this time. We are monitoring this information daily, and if the situation changes, we're ready to respond. The RMCC model is in place so that we can function as one health care system across the state, working together to, again, manage our resources and provide the best possible care for Iowans in need. Even during this challenging time, there are so many good things that are happening in our state. And I want to acknowledge and thank the many Iowans who are stepping up to answer the call to help during this unprecedented time, especially the businesses and individuals that are producing PPE on a daily basis. Iowa's own Department of Corrections and the Iowa prison industries have now produced more than 25,000 masks, 3,000 gowns, 5,000 face shields and 7,000 gallons of hand sanitizer. Dimensional Graphics, a manufacturer in Mason City, is producing 100,000 face shields that will begin arriving this week to the state stockpile and distributed to healthcare care and long-term care facilities in need. I want to again just say thanks to Homeland Security, the Iowa National Guard, the Department of Transportation, and the Department of Public Safety for ensuring that as soon as those PPEs come into the state stockpile, it is being loaded on trucks and delivered to where it's needed. To date, the state has made 353 deliveries across all 99 counties. And finally, everyday Iowans are rolling up their sleeves to help. Tara Carlson from Stratford bought a sewing machine, taught herself to sew face masks so that she can donate them to local care centers. Her husband is a nurse practitioner so she understands how important it is to protect our healthcare workforce. Tara is also pregnant and when she can't sleep at night, she gets up and sews. So, so far she has made 147 face masks and have donated them all. Tara, I want to thank you and your husband for everything that you're doing to help Iowans during this time. Be safe and take care of yourselves. So if you can sow uh, or uh Face mask uh, for your local health care and long term care facilities. That is one way that you can help those on the front lines during this pandemic. You can find more information about how to make those masks at coronavirus.iowa.gov. And with that, we will open it up for questions.
1: Governor, on the PBEs and the equipment, uh, we're hearing now that the national stockpile has been depleted. I don't know if you've heard that yet from from the federal government. Has that uh, an impact on Iowa? Is there any orders that you had pending that you might not get? Can you just give us an update
4: on the relationship that you have uh, ordering from that stockpile? So so
2: that's why I'm continuing to highlight the great things that businesses and individuals are doing within our state. We continue to place orders. We have uh, received some. Some have been delayed, so we continue to monitor that. But that's why, uh, from the very beginning, this has been an issue for every single state across this country, and uh, that's why we've been proactive. We've had a whole, you know, whole hands on decks, all of the above approach, and I really I really am uh, proud to say that uh, Iowans and businesses are responding and we have to do that until we can build back up our stock, our stockpiles both at the national level and at the state level. So again, I just want to thank all of the workers that are reaching out and coordinating these efforts. And uh, daily we get so many calls from individuals that are saying, what can I do to help? How can I retrofit? Where do I need to go? Who do I need to talk to? Uh, I want to step up and I want to be a part of that. And that is anywhere from individuals like uh, Tara that I just mentioned, all the way to uh, bigger businesses that are reaching out and digging deep and, and really playing a role in helping protect those individuals that are standing on the front line to keep all of us safe and healthy.
4: Do we have enough equipment, do you feel? I mean, is it well, enough to for the hospitals? You know, the
2: people? PPE is going to continue to be an issue. So right now we're just we're monitoring it very carefully. We're getting the needs where they're at. But, it, you know, I put the plea out, help us, you know. So we're going to continue to monitor that to make sure that we can continue, especially as we talk about, you know, additional people wearing face masks and doing additional steps to protect uh, individuals. So we, we, we just can't let up for a second. We need to continue to dig deep, do our part, and and answer the call.
1: Uh, question about the point scale for the different regions. When a, a region reaches 10 on that point scale, is that an automatic trigger for a shelter-in-place order for that region? Are there any automatic things that happen when that yeah. threshold is reached?
2: So we're looking at that, and, you know, as we see some move into a 9, we're looking at what additional steps need to uh, take place to help, you know, um, continue to reduce the spread of the coronavirus to make sure that we're flattening the curve and most importantly that we're doing everything we can not to overwhelm the healthcare system and so we have a series of next steps that we're looking at and we're looking at it from a regional perspective we're also looking at various counties we're looking at various communities so we're collecting all of that data and but but first and foremost We really can do what we need to do by Iowans following through what what we've asked them to do. And that's how we protect every Iowan. And that is stay home. Only go out for essential things like going to the grocery store, going to the doctor, picking up medicine. If you go out and exercise, do it responsibly. Practice social distancing. Don't gather in groups larger than 10 people. Uh, If you are sick, isolate yourself and stay home. If someone in your household is sick, isolate yourself isolate your family and stay home until you've you know, recovered from the time frame that the Department of Public Health has asked people to stay at home. If we all just again, dig deep and practice and do what we've asked you to do, we will continue to see the curve flatten, we will start to see the numbers drop, and we will start to talk about how we dial back up this economy and how we start to open things back up instead of talking about how we close things down. So if Iowans will do what we've asked you to do and especially by doing that protecting you know those health care workers that are on the front line our first responders our people that are in grocery stores our truck drivers that are delivering foods our food supply chain if you do your part to protect them we will get the results that we're looking for and we will start to have a different conversation about how we open things back up
1: Governor, if I heard you right, uh, you said we have 2,530, the testing capacity at the state lab. Yes. Which, just going by memory, I think is significantly higher than you have said before. In light of that, are, are you now able to allow testing for more people? And then I think it was last week you said we might be getting... The
2: yeah, testing
5: and yeah. such, where yeah. are we on that? Yeah,
2: so so what you're seeing too is I think you're seeing more and more patients that are going to their own physicians that are getting the test done, and that's happening by not only the national labs but other sources. We have hospitals now that can administer the test and get the results relatively quickly than sending them out to the to national labs that has a little bit of a lag time. So uh, it's better at the state hygienic lab. We can get those results in about 24 hours. So it's just it's more relevant. It, this the timeliness of it and then we did the state hygienic lab did get the 15 abbott machines where you can get the positive negative in five minutes we have a limited number of tests right now Uh, i have asked because of the significant uptick for some additional machines and some additional tests i think we should be getting them them today so that we can start to again really target you know especially some of these long-term care facilities and we'll be working with you know dr padati and the department of public health to to see where we should be utilizing the, the machines that can test, uh, get the results, in five minutes fairly quickly so and then we're constantly looking and so they are they also are doing this at the national level just ways that we can do additional testing and really broaden uh, kind of the information that we're able to utilize as we move through this and I think that'll be really important too when we start to talk about opening things back up
1: just to clarify the the additional machines and that you're asking for would that be done of Iowa City or is that spread around
2: they are mobile I don't know if, if you want to weigh in, let me know. They are mobile, so they can go to different places um, and then they can actually conduct the test there, is my understanding. Okay.
1: Do you know where there
2: will be? Well, no, but, but that's, they're going to collect the metrics, they're looking at the data. That's what public health, with everybody, uh, the metrics that we're collecting, we can start to
5: identify where some of the hot spots are. Do you want to talk about maybe where, how else you would utilize them? Um, Sure. So Dr. Pandati and uh, Dr. Padati and Dr. Pantella from the State Hygienic Lab. There's a nice blurring of the names there. um, They are looking at um, areas of the state where we think that these machines um, will be most beneficial. And so one of the things we're looking at is, you know, long-term care facilities. And so if we have a concern about a particular long-term care facility, um, that seems to be an ideal place where we could deploy one of these machines, um, do some rapid testing, get some rapid results. And so uh, we could, you know, if there was a concern about a particular facility instead of having to wait 24 hours to get, a, to get a test result, and we will be able to deploy them. And so that's kind of the way that we have initially, anyway, um, envisioned using those machines is as, as there do appear to be um, concerns in particular areas that they could be easily deployed so we can get some information very quickly about what's happening in those areas. Last question in here. Well, so if you have that
1: capability, Uh, Couldn't you start testing everyone at a long-term care facility when when a case of COVID-19 arises and, and shouldn't everyone be tested? To well, you
2: know, eventually, hopefully we'll get there. We're just not there. So we have the extra 15 machines that are mobile that allows us to get some of those results. Right now, there was a limited number of tests, just like we started out with the state hygienic lab that came with those, but we have more coming in tomorrow. We'll continue to request uh, increased testing uh, materials so that we can we can do that. And really, to uh, Sarah's point, get those where we need them so we can establish Especially, you know, we know how critical it is to identify uh, a potential issue in these long term care facilities. And the quicker that we can find out, isolate, make sure they're doing the contact tracing so we can identify and, uh, you know, where the issue, where the problems might be, um, they, they'll become, you know, useful from that perspective. So we'll continue to hopefully, as we ramp up the test kits, be able to utilize those even more.
4: All right, we're going to go to Rachel Drozzi at Channel 5.
3: Hi, Governor. Um, we are wondering if you are encouraging the general public to wear face masks in public here in Iowa, and then also if you could give us an updated number for each region. Okay, on.
2: But on the statistics, I'll let, oh, yeah, I, you know, I forgot to bring that. So Sarah will give you that. I think she's got it in the binder. But, you know, that, so, so you know, that's kind of like a secondary, what we're encouraging every Iowa to, Iowan to do when they're out and about, to practice social distancing first, limit your uh, trips outside of the home. You know, if you have to work outside of the home, then practice good hygiene, practice good mem- uh, uh, measures and social distancing, and then you know have that with you. So if you come into contact, or if you you know you're not able to social distance, then you're able to put the mask on. But really, the first priority would be to social distance, to limit, only go out for essential services. If you can work from home, work from home. If you can't, practice good hygiene, social distancing, disinfect often, and uh, potentially then if you can't do that, then you have a face mask there ready to utilize oh,
3: okay
2: thanks Sarah remember to bring that tomorrow so uh, region 6 is at an 8 region 5 is at a 9 region 2 is at a 7 region 1 is 8 region 3 is at a 6 and region 4 is at a 6
4: Next
1: question, we'll go to Todd at KCCI. Governor, I'm not sure if you or Sarah would be best for this, but we've gotten some uh, emails and calls about, will we be doing any kind of antibody testing in the state, and will that be some metric to decide you know, how fast we can get back to normal?
2: Yeah. It'll be really important, uh, I think, as we start to, again, talk about dialing things back up and moving uh, towards uh, bringing the economy back online. But I'm going to let Sarah answer that question.
5: Yeah, Todd. Thanks for the question. That is um, actually something that we are really excited about. Um, But again, it goes to testing supplies, and so um, you know, testing supplies are going to be necessary so that we can do that sort of antibody testing. But I do think that it's something that um, we see a lot of promise in, especially as the governor talks about kind of being able to um, reopen things. um, That presents um, a, a possibility for us to be able to analyze people that might not otherwise have been tested, who might have been mildly ill, who might. have followed our guidance um, all along to stay home if they were feeling ill and they weren't able to get a test and they've recovered and so um, that antibody testing is something that um, we think is part of the future of our response to this particular pandemic and so we're really looking forward um, to learning more about that and um, to having the supplies become available so that we can start to employ that in our state. James Lynch at the Cedar Rapids Gazette.
4: Good morning, Governor. Um, Looking ahead to the June 2nd primary,
1: Secretary of State and County Auditors are encouraging mail-in voting. And I'm wondering if you're hearing from any quarters, the parties, campaigns, or candidates, that the election should either be postponed or conducted entirely by mail. And are are you confident that voters and poll workers will be safe at the in-person voting site?
2: Uh, I don't think at this point there's any need to cancel the June primary. I know the Secretary of State has been very proactive. I have complete confidence in the Secretary of State and uh, the local auditors all across the state of Iowa to conduct the elections with integrity as they have always uh, done. So right now we're going to continue to, uh, you know, we're going to continue to monitor the data. We're hoping we're going to continue to see kind of that that consistent kind of flattening of the curve, uh, and we're hoping that we can start to see. It decline after we get that peak and then we can start talking again about how we start to reopen and and uh, we'll kind of reevaluate well we reevaluate every day but uh, you know a lot of the order that i put in the orders that i put in place go through april 30th so hopefully by then we'll have a better sense of what things look like
4: all right we're going to hear from nick at the des moines register yeah thank you for the
1: time governor um you previously cited the matrix as kind of a guidepost for um, mitigation efforts and when those should be ramped up. And now you're also saying that it's an element. There's other aspects that you guys take into consideration. Um, what are some of the other uh, things that you're taking to consideration aside from the matrix? Yeah. Um, and then also in regards to unemployment, have we seen a similar surge in Medicaid? Application.
2: Yeah, we're watching all that. Uh, I'm going to, I think sometimes everyone is getting so hung up on the metrics. Let's go back to the main message that we have said since the beginning of this, and that is stay at home, avoid exposure. That that is how you can keep from getting exposed and you can keep from exposing others. Only go out for essential errands. Again, it's grocery store, doctors, prescriptions. Go out and exercise. Do it responsibly. Practice social distancing. Don't gather in groups of more than 10. Work from home if you can, and if you're isolate yourself and stay home. That's what Iowans need to be focusing on. We need you doing that. We need you doing that right now. We need you doing that to not only protect uh, our health care workers, our most vulnerable Iowans, so that we can flatten the curve, not overwhelm the health care system, and that we can start to have a different conversation. So what I would like everyone to do is to help me elevate that message, help me raise the volume, you know, practice neighborhood in a good way, not in a bad way, neighborhood watch where we encourage everybody to social distance to do the right thing if we do that then these press conferences can be about how we can start to open things back up and get this state and this country back to some to normal and so let's focus on what we need to be doing what we can do by being individually responsible, we all have a role to play. We can change the narrative. We can flatten the curve. We can get through this together if we all do what we need to do.
0: All right, we're going to dip out of uh, Governor Reynolds' press conference as it uh, comes to its end. We should tell you before we give you the keyword for this hour, we are now up to seven winners. In the building. Six, How about that? Six on WHO. Mm-hmm. The latest was on KISS 107.5, 107.5 KISS FM. So the bus has been blanked, and 1460 and 106.3 have been blanked. So let's go. Let's go. KXO and iHeartRadio want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword couch to 200, 200. Right now it's your chance to win $1,000. That's couch. To 200, 200.
1: You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest.
0: Uh, John Bolenkamp, Sports Illustrated, the Maven joins Miller and Condon next to Moin Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.org, number 33.
1: Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO.
3: And now on 106.3 FM.
0: Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent and I take you until noon. Murph and Andy coming up at 2. The Fanatics at 4, and then tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. as they always do, the morning rush. Back into the world of sports, the Hawkeyes. Trent, I'm sure you've seen this. Uh, The uh, Twitter account for March Madness that has 1.4 million followers, (laughs) that's million with an M, Uh, has put out their way-too-early top Uh, They called it top 36, uh, but the relevant part for us is right there at number 5 of those Iowa Hawkeyes. Gonzaga 1, Baylor 2, Villanova 3, Creighton 4, and next on the list, those Iowa Hawkeyes. Oh, the expectations, DC, It's
4: it's rarefied air for this Iowa basketball program. Trying to think the last time they even had preseason top 10 type pub. I think you have to go back... To what year number three of the Alford regime record and Reggie Evans coming back while. for their final season and the expectations that were on the place of the program at that time? Of course, they fell on their face went four and fourteen in the Big Ten that season. <laughs> John Bonacamp he was a guy that was at the forefront of that season. Let's hope wow, this is not a, long another time ago. Yeah, it was a long Alford time ago, Remix, John. But a lot of buzz already for this Iowa basketball team as we look forward to 2020-2021.
1: Oh yeah. First of all, did the governor know she was gonna be the lead act today? <laughs> we
4: we did um, not drop that to her, but uh yeah, okay, it's a well, pretty good opening yeah. act. Sure it is, yeah.
1: No, um I I mean I don't I don't I don't disagree with any of the uh the predictions. I mean, I think this is this is going to be a really good, really deep team next year. I mean when you think about I mean think about what they did this year with you know, the lack of depth they had by the time they got into mid January and um, you know, I, I think these, I think, you know, if, if everybody comes back, which right now it looks like everybody will, um, I, I think this is a really good basketball team, but yeah, you're right. I don't, I, mean, I don't, I can't think of any team other than, you know, may, maybe that 2000, the 2001, 2002 team that, that, that really kind of fell apart there in the second half of that season. But um, yeah, it's been a long time since there's been sort of a reaction like this around the
0: team. No doubt about it. John Bowen camp is our guest, Sarah Miller and Condon. John, uh, the, the five overall ranking in the way too early, I get it. And you mentioned Luca Garza. It certainly seems like he's coming back along with uh, everyone else on the team. Of course, Garza is the, I guess, the one that maybe has the question mark to it, but I, I lean, I think everybody leans like he will come back. And when he does, John, uh, the centers in the league, the guys that he went in uh, up against night after, Night, whether it be Wesson or Turo in, in Minnesota, Harms in Purdue, Jalen Smith, Kofi Coburn. Um, oh, we're missing some guys for crying out loud on that list. It was uh, Lamar Stevens at Penn State was terrific. Uh, boy, oh boy, uh, he is far and away the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, returning five man coming back in the Big Ten by a long ways.
1: Yeah, I mean a lot of those guys have already declared for the NBA draft, and they've also said they're. They're not just testing the process. They're, they're going all in. So, yeah, that, 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 the front courts that, that really gave I mean, of course, nobody gave him trouble, I guess you should say. But I mean, all the front courts that he went up against this year are going to look vastly different yep. next year. And you look at the numbers he put up this year within the Big Ten, and, and you figure that you're going to get the same sort of production next year. And the interesting thing is that, that I, I think that offense will be even better next year because I think that you're going to get a lot of guys. You're going to have, like I said, go back to the depth thing. You're going to have a lot more guys out there who can score and guys that are a year older and all that. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's not going to have a lot of – the guys he faced this year aren't going to be around next year. And So, I mean, he has a chance to really to put up not only the same numbers but better numbers, and that's really kind of scary when you think about it for the rest of the league.
4: John Bonicamp joining us. Uh, This team, Garza at the forefront, his decision still sits there. Wieskamp went through the process a year ago. We don't know what this process is going to look like, when the draft is going to be for the NBA. There's so many great unknowns out there, but would you anticipate Wieskamp going through the process again after certainly a disappointing back half of his season this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that, that, I mean, and and Fran McCaffrey talked about this in the in the interview that Rick Brown had with him that, that basically said, it, it, you know, it doesn't hurt to to, to get an evaluation. And, and, you know, yeah, the evaluation process is going to be a lot different this year. You're not gonna going to be going to facilities around the country. You're not going to have any in-person work, but you're going to have, you know, scouts out there that, that are going to look at your video and say, this is what we think you are, this is what we think you need to do, this is, you know, what we think you do well. Um, you know, I, I, it doesn't hurt if, if you go into it and you don't hire an agent, it doesn't hurt to get feedback. And I mean, every Hawkeye that's done that over the years has, have come back and, and have had really good seasons because of what they were told and all that. Now, you know, I mean, I, you go back and again, I think Joe Wieskamp, I think it would be good for somebody to take a look at, okay, this is what you were doing last year when we looked at you. Now, this is what you're doing this year. This is what you need to do. You know, again, it doesn't hurt if you don't sign an agent. So, you know, did any feedback at this point I think helps.
0: Indeed. Well, let's uh let's swing to football, Trent. If you're uh, through on basketball, and of course, uh, two weeks from tonight, uh, John, the NFL will hold round one of their draft two through two three the following night, and then uh, uh, four through seven uh, on Saturday. Last year, as we recall, there was a couple of tight ends that weren't went in the first twenty picks uh, of the first round of the NFL draft. Pretty good chance again. I'm not sure Epinesa gets into the twenties, although he might. Have seemingly, uh, there's some buzz in Dallas at seventeen the, they might be uh, looking uh, at the uh, former Hawkeye D end, but worfs is a, is a cinch to go in the top 10 for my money. How about that? Back-to-back years potentially with two picks in the first round in the top 20.
1: Oh, yeah. And, I mean, again, I think it shows that the, I think it, it sends a signal out there to a lot of you know incoming players and recruits and all that that look at what this program produces. And, I mean, this program, if you want to get to the NFL, look at what this program has done. And, you know, again, you're talking about you had two first rounders. You're going to, you might, you're probably likely going to have two this year. And, and again, one, as you said, one in the top 10 who really, really increased his stock at the combine. Um, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a good sign of, of how, how good this program is at developing players. And I think it, it's something that sends out a signal to kids around the country. Hey, you know, they, they produce guys that go to the NFL and, and you look at the success that a lot of the, these Iowa players have had and are still having in the league. Um, you know, it really is impressive for what Kirk Ferentz and that staff have been able to do.
4: It really is, and it shows the power of the brand. Even as things change, the program has evolved along with it. And He's not the old Kaji guy that I think a lot of people certainly kind of put him into that corner and say that he's not willing to change and adapt. I think you've seen that with the program, and as that continues, there's going to be certainly more adaptation this year. No spring practice, that's off the board. Football and athletics are taken away. Even if we get back to summer Say teams get three four weeks to ramp up before actual training camp, and that's what a lot of football coaches have mentioned that they need just to get the players' bodies right to be able to go through the rigors of fall practice. Is this an advantage for Iowa because of the program that they are, or a disadvantage compared to their peers in the Big Ten and across the country just because they are more of a developmental program
1: I think because of how they're structured i think I think they'll be okay if there's a shortened. Summer season, and I and I go back to the quote. I think it was yesterday that Matt Campbell had when he was at Mountain Union, yeah. and you know he said this. This was you know this. We were a system program. We were we. You know, everybody knew what to expect when you got to camp. And I think that they have probably done. And just listening to Kirk, you know, recently on the teleconference, I think what they have done is they've told all the players this is what you need to be doing right now. And so I mean I, I think that I think that it, it helps them. The structure within that program I think helps them to get going a lot faster than maybe some other programs will. So if we're talking about guys not being on campus until July 1st, that gives you four weeks before camp to, to get back in condition and all that, I, I think they're okay. I think I think these guys have been working off the field right now at their homes, and I think they'll probably be in better shape than maybe Kirk Ferentz thinks they will be just because of the, of the culture of the program. These guys know – Chris Doyle, this is what he wants. And and they listen to him and they buy into it. And when you have that kind of buy in it makes the turnaround a lot easier when you don't have a lot of time to work.
0: John, we, we know the uh, the economics uh, surrounding football and what it means to every school, quite honestly, uh, every single one of them. Um, can you envision a scenario, John, where football doesn't start until November and that they resume once school comes back in January just to, to finish up the season, to get as much of that television revenue as possible? That's one of the ideas that's being tossed out there if indeed, you know, there's that I hate to say it, the second wave that some people are now predicting and god knows we hope they're wrong as they were on some of the you know the 200,000 number of people that will lose their lives and i think that the country's done a wonderful job uh doing their part to diminish that number but can you envision a scenario john where football starts in november and ends in february or maybe even march if they do the bull season which would surprise me
1: i you know i i think yeah i mean i could see it happening i could see the regular season happening now the the type of postseason where you have bowl games I don't know, you know I mean I don't know I don't know if you know some of these cities would be willing to host a game in the middle of February you know it's nice to host a game on a Wednesday uh, you know between Christmas and New Year's because you know people are going to show up in February but they may not so you may not get that kind of bowl schedule I mean I I think for for right now what the colleges want is they want that twelve game season and then have a playoff. Maybe expand it. Maybe go to sixteen. Ah, go to okay. eight. Who knows? I mean, they, they. I mean, I'm sure right now somewhere there are a lot of scenarios mm-hmm. out there that are being planned out. I mean, I, I think that the best case scenario for them is be everybody on campus in July, play yep. play a regular season, and, and go from there. And, and I mean, really, they could almost even go, and, and this would make it kind of an interesting season. If they start instead of September 1st or that first weekend in September, first weekend in October, that still gives you December to play games yeah. too. And you go December right in the bowl games and you get it done. That moves you another month. I, like I said, I think there are a lot of scenarios that the, the doomsday one is if there is no football at all. Right. And I mean, you may see a lot of schools just, they're, just, they're done with athletics for a while.
0: Wouldn't it be and, something, uh, John, if the 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 good sports thing, anyways, that came out of this pandemic, it was the expansion of the college football playoff? Yeah, that would be, it would be interesting. <laughs> Wouldn't that and, be and, something? Mean, imagine
1: imagine if you had a four a four weekend playoff in February yeah. that leads into the NCAA tournament.
0: For oh my! Basketball. <laughs> oh my! You know,
1: um, think about what I mean. Right now, just think of the scenarios about what October, November, and December are going to look like mm. in the sports. That you know. It's just, it's it's really fascinating, and, and like I said, I think they've gained for every possible scenario at this point.
4: John, as uh, you look to later today, Gary Barta has a teleconference, a Zoom conference, is that right? Yep, at one thirty. so um, I have to figure out what I'm going to
1: wear on it. You know, <laughs> um, Got to um, be looking sharp. i working pretty much every day in just a t-shirt and shorts, so... Uh, we'll
4: figure out stuff. I, I had to do uh, a, a television hit yesterday, a little football high school preview over on MediaCom. Took off my hat, and our buddy Pat Hurley said I looked like the Unabomber, so uh, the hat went quickly back yeah, went I, back on. It's not looking good. I, I need a haircut. Yeah,
1: so do I, and that's you know, it's um, it's starting to get a little rag in the back. So. I would imagine I'll
4: probably be in my Dodgers hat uh-huh. for the teleconference, but we'll see. Yeah. There's a shock, yeah, no, no, no surprise there. So, yeah, exactly. What do you look forward to the teleconference later today with Barda? A lot of questions. We haven't heard nearly as much from him his side as we've heard from Iowa State. What are the couple of things, at least on your checklist, you want to find out this afternoon?
1: Well, you I mean, remember now he's wearing two hats. You've got the athletic, oh sure, and you've got the college football playoff. Hats. Great yeah. call. Cool. So, so I mean, there's there's two scenarios there. Going back to what we talked about earlier about could there be an expanded playoff? Has that been talked about? Um, you know, and but I mean, I, I think really what I want to hear from him is, you know, if there is a limited season, what if there's just a nine game Big Ten, and that's it? You don't play your three non conference games. What what sort of impact financially is this going to have? Mm-hmm you know and i mean i think that's that's the biggest question moving forward i think they've survived to this point i mean i think they've figured out a way to get through the end of the school year okay these sports are done this is what we have to do but you look long term and if there's no if there's no football season then i mean if that's the if the if the worst case scenario happens what happens to your athletic program what happens to the non-revenue sports and I mean it just there's there's a lot of things and I mean I, I know he probably won't want to answer a lot of just because there again there's so many different scenarios but I mean I do want to I do want to hear have what have they planned what sort of you know contingencies there are out there and then from his you know college football playoff hat you know what 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 are they talking about what have they said so I mean I I'm sure he won't be able to get into a lot of specifics, but at least we might get an idea on what what it's all like right now.
0: Yeah, John, you were the first one. I mean, it might have been out there before that, but I had not heard about uh, what if we expand the playoff comes out of this. That's, uh, that's I mean something.
1: everybody's talking. I mean everybody. I mean, like I said, there may be a, a scenario. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a, there was a poll. I think it was a stadium had a poll on, on on and there's a lot of athletic directors that wouldn't mind seeing an expanded playoff you know, in the future if, if everything happens. But, I mean, they may look at a lot of things right now because they want that money. They want to yep. keep that at those athletic departments going, and they may look at a lot of different scenarios because I can't see the bowl thing happening. Nor can I. If you're playing into February, I just can't see it happening. So if you don't do that, what do you do to to make it a little different? You never know.
0: The Hawkeye Maven, uh, part of the Sports Illustrated umbrella, that's where you can read John. Y- John, I really, you know, just uh, back to basketball for a second. Uh, earlier this week, I'm not sure of the day, but it was early in the week. Uh, your piece on Ryan Creener. You know, he's one of these guys that you know their senior season comes around and they. They, they, for whatever reason, the play seems to elevate in the final four to six weeks of their season. Creener was terrific at the end of it. Oh yeah, uh, really a great, a great. I mean, beset by the concussions, but a nice job on the Creener piece, John.
1: Thank you, and I mean, he's 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 a really good guy. He's one of my favorites. You know, the last four years gives you gives you really good answers, thoughtful answers, and you know, I mean, this is the guy that I mean, his his NCA tournament got taken away from. He has no idea what it's overseas. Prospects are going to look like you know in the next few months. So um, I appreciate that. Thank you. And he's he's really good to talk to. And he's he's he was a guy that I think was a really big part of this team that people didn't realize. Sometimes.
4: Want to finish up with a little bit of baseball with you, John. First on the Iowa perspective. The. Guys that uh, didn't get to play their final season of Iowa baseball, they'll be awarded another year of eligibility. And then, if you want, you can open it up to the Dodgers. And, boy, I mean, going out there and getting Mookie Betts, and they're not even going to get him to play with them this year. Man, what, man, that Dodgers organization, just terrible, huh?
1: Well, I mean, I, he's already <laughs> said he likes being there, so I think oh, okay. he'll say, I want to come back and be a part of this. But I found it interesting. They said that they, they had planned, you know, if they if they played in December – that They would play the World Series at Dodger Stadium, and I was like, "Well, it's going to be there anyway." <laughs> um, but uh, so, you know, like I said, I, I when you've been a, I, you know, for the Iowa kids getting back to the Iowa baseball players, I feel, I feel, I feel bad for them because I think that that was, you know, I think there were some guys there that were going to have a chance to be mid-round guys in the in the, in the MLB draft, and now aren't going to be picked, and you know, now their futures are uncertain, and I mean, all of those futures right now are uncertain with minor league baseball and, and coming down the road. And so, I mean, that's going to be kind of the interesting story you're going to see here in the next couple of months is what happens to some of these guys down the road, um, you know, draft wise. What, what are the minor leagues look like next year? You know, is there going to be minor league baseball this year? A lot of things, a lot of questions right there that I think have to be answered here in the next few weeks. I think I know how they're going to be answered, but, uh, I'm kind of hoping that I'm wrong
0: on that one. So. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, you're going to be uh, listening to some questions answered with Gary Barta later today, and we'll read it at the uh, Hawkeye Maven, part of the Sports Illustrated Umbrella later on today, I'm assuming. John, great stuff. Thanks for coming on, John bonecamp. Hey, and thanks for having me on. You guys stay safe. You do yep. the same good to talk to you John Bowen cap joining us as we wrap up a Thursday Miller and Condon on fourteen sixty kx and one zero six point three
4: fm so as I knew we were going to have John on today, I brought up the depth chart of his favorite team, the Dodgers, yes. Just looking it's at it. It's crazy, Trent. It's absolutely yeah. stacked. Or Around what? the infield, yeah. Max Muncy. Yeah. Gavin Lux, one of the best young second basemen it's in the game. As good a prospect as there is. And then the left side with Justin Turner and Corey Seeger. <laughs> Not bad. Uh-huh. Now here's your outfield. Yeah, left or go, go to there. Jock Peterson. Okay. Cody, Be- Cody Bellinger. Mookie Betts. Mm. Rotation. Kershaw. Mm-hmm. Walker Bueller. There's the ace. David Price. Mm-hmm. Bounced good. back yep. last year. Yep, yep. Julio Urias. Okay. And Alex Wood. Alex Wood's your fifth. I know. Think about it. And then the bullpen. Kenley Jansen, your closer. Blake Trinan, who's been excellent. Is he the the weakest link? I think so. Kenley Jansen? I I think Trinan probably, that's somebody you're looking to handcuff if you're a fantasy baseball player. Yes. Going to put both those guys together. Joe Kelly, Caleb Ferguson. Where's
0: the breather in the lineup, in the batting order?
4: Well, when they get to eight, and the catcher. catcher. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Um, hey, speaking of baseball, I found a state I'd never heard of this stadium before, where the Giants originally played. Polo grounds. Uh, Seals State. Well, that's when they were in, on the East Coast. But when they got to San Francisco, they played at a stadium called Seals
4: Stadium. Seals Stadium. I'd never heard of it before. That is one of my favorite Wikipedia YouTube deep dives, is going back and looking at old baseball stadiums. Well, and it might Dimensions. have been on that
0: MLB Cathedral. Do you follow yes, that on Twitter? Yes. I think that's probably where I saw it. And they played there uh, through 1959, apparently. Willie Mays was part of But I'd never heard of Sam State. Either.
4: No, no, nor me. Learn something new. I did yesterday,
0: thanks to Twitter. Not a bad thing. No, indeed. Or Tomorrow, we're going to have uh, a number of our NFL voices on, as we're two weeks away from the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, it'll be two weeks. We'll catch up, hopefully. Anyways, fingers crossed, with the Packers, the Vikings, uh, the Chiefs, And the Bears, who didn't have a first-round pick, but they'll pick a couple times, right, in the second? Two of them. Two picks in the second round. So we'll do some NFL, some Iowa State news. Iowa State signed a defensive tackle today that played his entire high school career at quarterback. Love that. He's a big dude. 290
4: from the Kansas
0: City area. Jared Lorenzen out there. Yeah, that's true. But now he's on the defensive side of the ball. So Alex Holstead will join us. So will Tom Caker. We hope you will as well. We're Miller and Condon. From 10 to noon, Monday through Friday on 1460 KXNO, 106.3.